The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Well, hey there, cat. Hi. Also, I like that this is like unofficially, like not intentionally kind of become the thing. It always just starts with, well, hey there, cat. Like that's just, that's a thing now. I kind of want to mix it up next week now, but I didn't think about it until after I said, well, hey there, cat. Um, we could cut and you could start over. <laughs> God damn it. That's what we're going to do. Also, this is probably going to stay in the podcast anyway. So everybody knows what we did. And now she can't come up with something else to say. I can't. (laughs) I can't. I have nothing. Yo, yo, yiggity, yo, Claire. I guess that's what we're going with. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Anyway, uh... Welcome back, Fire Whiskers. It's another Fire Whiskey Friday. It is beautiful weather outside. That's a goddamn lie because all of you are all over the world and I don't know what your weather looks like. But, uh, welcome to week two of 2021. You survived. Congratulations. <sighs> now welcome to your escape, Fire Whiskey and Friday. Fire, whiskey, and honey. We are not called fire. Stop looking at me, Annabeth. I'm not okay. <laughs> Have you seen the state of my country recently? It's fine. Um, so on oh, so it's it. your country. It's not our country, too. This okay. land is my land. I, this I land live is in land. the United States of Claire. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad about it, but... I would. I would be a kind and understanding dictator who would extend weekends to include Fridays and demand that tater tots always be an option instead of fries. Hey, if you don't want to work on Fridays, work for my dad. <laughs> it doesn't work on Fridays. That's fair. That's fair. Also, my <laughs> we got your uh, baby presents today, and my husband and I are opening <gasps> them. And my husband Yay! and I are opening them. And he goes, these are both labeled from Cat's dad. Not... From his name, but literally from Cat's dad. And I said, yes. I, I don't know what they are, but I feel like they're going to make sense as soon as we open them. And we open them, and they're both little tiny toothbrushes. And he goes, what's her dad do for a living? Is he a dentist? And I was like... You put it on your finger and brush the baby's teeth. <laughs> yes. But he was just like, I don't get it. Is he a dentist? And I was like, yes. He is, in fact, a dentist. And he was like, oh, yes. that makes sense. But, uh, but yes, no, we got- Yeah, he made me buy two of them. (laughs) They're very cute. (laughs) I'm very excited. Did you like the onesies I got you? I was so excited. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny because Jimmy opens these up. He's like, 
these aren't for me or the baby. These are just for nope. you. Yeah. <laughs> one says Accio Ant Cat, and the other one says Grace Loan Memorial Intern. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, these aren't for you, honey. These are for me. Did you like what Brianna got you? I know you're going to bitch about the Ravenclaw colors, but isn't no, that the no, most no, no, adorable no, no. thing ever? The Ravenclaw colors are fine. Okay, so yes, th- to explain what Cat is trying to explain, because it, it was funny, because that was actually the last thing we open and i'm so glad it was just because i started like screaming and jimmy because jimmy opens it and he pulls it out and he's like it's a really tiny scarf and it was red and gold and i was like oh and then the next one comes out and it's blue and bronze and i was like and then yellow and black and then green and silver and i was like oh my god and then he pulls out the last one and i just start like screaming and he's like holy shit and i'm like it's a baby sorting hat and it's like knitted and it's got a face on it and it's amazing and like i wanted to get the set of four onesies so that when he's old enough he can like crawl up to one and pick one and that'll be his like temporary house until we kind of figure out what his actual like you know character is and obviously huh like on their nine and three quarter month yeah. birthday mm-hmm. whatever that's yeah. a thing that's that you like lay them all out and they crawl toward it exactly so he gets to pick a little teeny tiny scarf and i'm so excited for it <laughs> yeah i was like i'm so jealous that i didn't find that because that's like absolutely perfect it's... and i was like wait how do you sort a baby <laughs> you take them on their nine and three months birthday <laughs> did you like the bibs i got yes, you they're so cute aren't those adorable like, little, like kerchiefs yeah, and like the ones that have the little hard thing that's for teething, and those are reversible, so it's technically six bibs in one pack. Yeah, Jimmy was looking at it, and he's like, oh good, it's weighted. I'm like, I'm pretty no, sure that's a teether. It's, it's not Yeah, it's weighted. for the teether. Yeah. But, okay. but the other ones I thought you would like, and I thought it would go with his room, like I was oh, telling yeah, you no, earlier. No, it's, it's like cute and outdoorsy, theme. and of course, every single mother or any any person who has observed any sort of matching family photo in the last five years knows that buffalo plaid is in it's the red and black plaid and it is cute and i do love it and i do have a pair of uh pajama pants that are buffalo plaid that match the buffalo plaid pants that i got jimmy that he wore once and never wore again and the buffalo plaid pajamas that I got Max that he wore once destroyed and never wore again so I'm the only one in my family who wears buffalo plaid but it's fine I'm basic and I accept it yeah and like my favorite one was the one with the black and white animals yeah, like I thought that was adorable like, I love it all but cool. this has nothing even though to some do- of it was like sick baby stuff but you need it anyway <laughs> but this has nothing to do with the dead of time so cat what had happened was I don't know why what I said that so proper. Was... What had happened was Okay. That was like a so, face. Yes, that was a face. <laughs> Everybody was at Potter Manor for, for Christmas. Fighting. What oh, sorry. <laughs> Everybody was at Potter Manor for Christmas. Okay. And then there was the magical mistletoe, which kind of cracked me up. And then, what are you doing? It was screeching mistletoe. I'm really hyper, okay? I just. It sounded like you were doing duck calls. (laughs) 
<laughs> you were yawning before we started recording and now all of a sudden you are full of energy. I just got my shipment of milk oolong full leaf tea from Tea Public. Tea, er, tea, not Tea Public. That's where we sell our shit. Tea Republic, which sells tea, <laughs> not our merchandise store. Um, milk oolong is like the greatest tea of all time. It is not flavored. It's not like they throw in bergamot. It just has this wonderful, light, tangy flavor. And I fucking love it. I discovered it at Edinburgh Castle and I highly recommend it. But anyway, the caffeine of drinking three cups of that, I think, just hit. Why am I glitchy? Okay, what had happened was for the one millionth time. Yes, what had happened was. Okay. They're all at Potter Manor. So, for the millionth time, <laughs> they were at Potter Manor for Christmas! And there was magical mistletoe. And Sirius thought the Wizard of Oz was ridiculous. And then I started cracking up because he said that the slippers were porkies, which totally makes sense. But, jeez. And then... This is something I wasn't really that clear about because I don't know if it was a nightmare or a flashback, but I guess Maya had like a nightmare and or a flashback about like Lucius and Bella's tricks and the Death Eaters and all of that jazz and Harry and all of them back from her uh, secret life. And then like a bunch of other stuff happened and then I guess kind of at the end they made like a vow to like keep secrets or something like that. Um, yes. So, yes. actually, that is going to be addressed in the author's note. Um, oh, okay. So, what happened was she had a nightmare, and it, we think, probably stems from guilt out of her trying to Avada the Caro twins, which, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, if you get that TV reference, I appreciate to you. To be fair. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I was... Binging all weekend, it's fine. Oh, I fucking love that show. Anyway. (laughs) Sorry. There's so many comments I can make, but this is not a show about Letterkenny. Anyway. (laughs) That's what exercise 10 for. Sorry. I'll shut up now. The fucking whistling. The second episode of the new season and the whistling thing just fucking destroyed me. But she's a nice woman. But... (laughs) Anyway, back to the dead of time. So her Maya, god damn, Maya is dealing with fallout from, you know, almost murdering somebody, which again, rightfully so, but you know, guilt goes with that when you're a good person, as it should. Um, So she was having flashbacks to Malfoy Manor when uh, Bellatrix and Lucius were murdered, and when she accidentally killed Crab Senior in an attempt to kill Lord Voldemort. Thank you, Shia, for reminding me of that on the Facebook pod group. Um, so, because what had happened was Hermione in the Forbidden Forest, when she went after Harry, and she saw that Harry was quote unquote dead, she tried to kill old Tom Riddle. And Voldemort literally just grabbed Crab Senior and used him as a human shield and then like tossed his dead body to the side. And it was like, oh, okay, you don't give a fuck about anybody. But anyway, that, you know, kind of fucked up Hermione because that is not who she was intended to kill at all. Um, So, of course, she wakes up screaming. You were very upset that they ended the dream right there. But she tells... um, Sirius, Remus, and Lily that she is actually a muggle-born and adopted. 
which up until this point, they were not aware that she was adopted. So um, the author's note for this next chapter uh, (laughs) comes in with... Maya was able to tell the others about being muggle-born because of the intention behind the truth. The spell that Dumbledore put on her prevents her from speaking about the future with the intention of changing it. It's why she also had to be very specific with what she told them about her family and why they're not around. I hope you all enjoy this chapter, which has been in the works since I was back writing chapters 11 and 12, hint, hint. There's also a nod to chapter 27 because I love foreshadowing hints, parallels, and hidden secrets. Real quick, I'm going to roll back and see what fucking chapters 11 and 12 were. Um, None of which will I go get. Closer than ever and how Fire Whiskey felt. So that's going to be right around when she and Sirius were Horcrux hunting and they made out. Um, Right before. So this was during the Battle of Hogwarts. And then chapter 27 is... Marauder's Code, which is just after Tujarpur and right before Just Scars. So that would have been... That would have been after Sirius got hurt. So probably when she and Sirius had sex for the first time? Maybe? I don't know. But... I'm sure Shia will rip me a new one and explain everything next Friday when we publish this episode. Thanks, Shy. But without further ado, Chapter 61, House Maya. January 9th, 1977. I'm also really digging the fact that the dates in the sh- movie, er, in the movie, the show, the book are kind of lining up with where we are in the year because i think today is actually what, what's today's date is it the 10th it's the 10th okay so technically this would have been yesterday but i just like the fact that we're you know sort of in the same time period it's it's nice anyway i i have a thing for like patterns and things coinciding so i get very excited january 9th 1977 so this is going into the second half of their sixth year. When the marauders Maya and Lily arrived at King's Cross, they were shocked as the train left the station with one of their friends missing. They had not heard a word from Peter over the holiday, not even his usual Christmas package for all of them, filled with a large selection of honeyduke sweets, had been sent, the one for which Remus was historically known for keeping the chocolate part all to himself, setting aside the sugar quills, ice mice, and licorice wands for the rest of them. But Christmas came and went, and not a single owl. A part of Maya had been happy not to have to think about Peter over her holiday. Nevertheless, after dealing with her nightmare regarding the Carrow twins and her lingering guilt over the accidental death of the future Crab Senior, she felt a strange worry for Peter, especially since James, Sirius, and Remus were a nightmare of concern over their missing comrade. When they arrived back at Hogwarts, all five teenagers made their way to Dumbledore's office, lingering outside, shouting random sweets names at the gargoyle. Finally, it opened, not to let them in, but rather to let Dumbledore, and a terrified-looking Peter, out. Purplish-blue skin puffed out from underneath the boy's eye, adding to the prominent five o'clock shadow on his chin. Okay, I do have a hard time picturing him with facial hair, just because I always picture him as like a rat-faced 11-year-old. 
but whatever. Sorry, not sorry, kid. Um, Maya frowned at the sight. As much as she hated the person Peter would become, as much as she disliked most of who he was now, she knew the look on his face and felt mildly sympathetic. She had worn similar shadows under her eyes during the year that she, Harry, Ron, and Sirius were on the run from the Death Eaters and Snatchers while searching for horcruxes. Being hunted did something physical to a person. It took years off lives, and Peter Pettigrew suddenly looked poorly aged. Dumbledore smiled. Ah, I see escorts have arrived for you, Mr. Pettigrew. I'll leave you to the care of your housemates, he said, before returning up the spiral staircase to his office. Wormtail, where the hell were you? Sirius asked loudly, his brows furrowed in concern. Sorry, Peter frowned. My, my family was attacked. Lily gasped, covering her mouth before wrapping Peter into a hug. Are you okay? Peter smiled sadly, patting her on the back a few times, looking as though he didn't want to get too close to her with James hovering, though he appeared gratified to see his friend looked more concerned for him than Lily at the moment. I'm fine. Can we head back to the tower? I really just want to get out of the hallways. He looked around, suspiciously, as if someone was hidden in the dark shadows of the alcoves, listening in on their conversation. Once the six of them reached Gryffindor Tower, Remus and Lily went into prefect mode, ushering the younger years to their dorms and out of the common room before everybody retired to the boys' dorm room to hear Peter's story. Sirius and James sat on Sirius's bed. They watched as Peter sat on the edge of James's mattress next to Lily, who continued to try and comfort him. Meanwhile, Maya crawled in beside Remus. He put an arm around her as Peter informed them that his family's new apothecary in France had been burnt to the ground, and he and his parents had narrowly escaped with their lives. Mum's still in St. Mungo's, Peter told them with a frown, looking guilty. They said she'll be okay, but the burns were pretty bad. Maya disliked the look he wore. It strangely reminded her of Harry, which put her on edge over the comparison. Peter was blaming himself for not being able to protect his family the same way that Harry had been grief-stricken over not having saved Sirius or Cedric, as well as taking on the blame for what Bellatrix had done to her. Maya struggled with the surge of sympathy coming from within her, trying to shut out her knowledge of the future. Is she in the spell damage ward? Why would she be? James asked. It was a fire, right? Yes, but Peter said that they were attacked, Maya said. Peter nodded slowly and whispered, It was cursed fire. Lily inhaled sharply in shock. Someone used fiend fire against your family? God, you're all lucky to be alive. I'm sorry, Peter, Maya whispered. I felt so helpless, Peter admitted. A rapidly rising expression of anger flashed across his soft features. We couldn't see anything. If the people in the back of the shop hadn't started screaming. He shook with fear and bitterness simultaneously, scowling as he said, We wouldn't have even known to run. Mom went back in to try and help. So stupid. It was very brave of her, Maya told him. She almost died! Peter turned and glared at Maya. She could have died! But she didn't, mate. Sirius stood from his bed and moved to Peter's side, patting his shoulder. You and your parents got out safely. 
We were the only ones, Peter confessed. Everyone else just... The... The smell. The Aurors will protect your family, James insisted. Everything's going to be okay. The Aurors are the reason my family was targeted. Peter stood and for the first time in his life faced James as though he had the ability to fight him. My... Yeah, and you're the reason why Pete, like, Harry doesn't have parents, Peter. Jeez. Mic drop. Man. Yeah, but for realsies, though. You're the reason my family was targeted. Funny. Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fact that Maya hadn't stabbed him yet is magic. Literal magic. But anyway. Well, that's not coming. <laughs> yet. Actually, to be fair, to be fair, oh my god, I have to stop. Um, They don't really show it. They don't show it at all, I don't think, in the movie. But the whole thing where Voldemort slices off Pete's hand to bring himself back from the... Or Pete slices off his own hand to raise Dumbledore... Or Dumbledore. Voldemort. Oh, they kind of rhyme. Uh, <laughs> in book and movie five, four... Four. Jesus Christ, I'm completely off my game, guys. Anyway. Um, you think? Says the person who texted me today, so how is Disney? I didn't go to Disney. <laughs> Nor do you have any plans to. I don't know where that came from. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> but no, the silver hand that Voldemort gives him as a gift for helping raise him from the dead is actually how Pete dies. Um, he... I don't know that he helps Harry and Ron, but he doesn't hurt them. Yeah, he helps them towards whenever they're imprisoned in uh, the Malfoy Manor. And as a result, Pete chokes himself out with his silver hand. So, like, <laughs> nothing says righteous death like autoerotic asphyxiation. Erotic? Auto asphyxiation. There we go. <laughs> I'm just so used to the erotic part being in there. Not that I practice just in terms of terminology and hearing it used in certain types of romance novels. Um, that I do not read for. Okay, let's change the subject. So, um, the R's are the reason my family was targeted. I broke Annabeth. <laughs> Peter stood and for the first time his entire life faced James as though he had the ability to fight him Maya reacted immediately reaching for her wand only to have her hand stilled by Remus who looked at her in disbelief she silently berated herself for acting so impulsively trying to calm down as Peter continued to yell at them all they arrested my dad and he hadn't even done anything wrong he spit bitterly it's not illegal to go into Nocturne Alley Maya frowned and shook her head. Merlin, this is a slippery slope. She could already see the future being written out in front of her. Peter was afraid, losing what little moral certainty he might have once had, and, thanks to Dumbledore's truth spell, Maya could not warn anyone. He was just... He wasn't doing anything dark, Peter continued, defending his father. They took him anyway, and now Death Eaters are... I don't know. Maybe they think he's trying to spy on them or something. But the R's won't do anything. They wouldn't even put security around my mom's room at St. Mungo's. Maybe you should talk to Dumbledore, 
Maya suggested quickly. If she can vocally do anything to change the future by telling everyone the truth, perhaps she could use a few loopholes to try and direct Peter down the right path. Draco had turned spy for the Order of the Phoenix, just like Severus Snape. Maybe if she got Peter to ask Dumbledore for help, she could prevent him from the same ultimate and eventual betrayal. Or save him from his ultimate and eventual betrayal. He can help you. Keep your family safe. You don't understand, Maya. Peter, your friends will protect you. Maya stood up, facing him. She gestured to James, Sirius, and Remus, who were all nodding emphatically. That's what they're here for. They would die for you, just like you would die for them. (laughs) (laughs) Hint, hint. (laughs) I would have died for my friends. Ah, God bless you, Sirius. Right. That's what, it's like knowing what she knows, and she still says that. Well, yeah, that's that's her thing. She's like, you should die for them. <laughs> but anyway, Peter looked like he was contemplating a few things, but the sudden sounds of fifth years below their floor shouting and laughing caused him to jump and look around in distrust. I shouldn't be talking about this, he muttered. What if someone's listening? We're in Gryffindor Tower, Sirius replied. The only people here are other Gryffindors. I'm not a Slytherin and I can sleep, sneak, sleep, sneak into their common room. Same with Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw, Peter said firmly, still looking around the room as though checking for someone hiding beneath an invisibility cloak. Wait, you've been in the other common rooms? Lily asked, but everyone ignored her. The tower isn't safe. Peter shook his head as he made his way back to his four-poster, pushing his way past Lily, who tried to stop him. Once safely in his bed, he flicked his wand, shutting the curtains. Hogwarts isn't safe. No one is safe. So, uh, we got an angsty Pete. Yeah. That That's a lot of anger in such a tiny body. Yeah, and it's like... All these things keep happening, and yet you keep sending your kids there. <laughs> like, dude. So many parallels to draw, but I'll restrain myself. Ooh, big time jump. May 12th, 1977. It took months and a substantial amount of secretly stashed fire whiskey to get Peter to relax a little. It had not helped that Death Eater reports filled an entire page of the Daily Prophet at least once a week. Fortunately, they were getting farther and farther away from Britain, with the last one, or the last reported sighting being somewhere outside of Bulgaria. And this is probably Shia dropping hints. Um, for those of us who have read the books, uh, they touched on this in the movies. But I, no, no, never mind. I'm thinking of Grindelwald. Never mind. I was going to say, this is when he steals the wand from Gregorovich. No, that was... God, I am crossing all of my Harry Potter trivia. Note to self, don't try out for Jeopardy until after the pregnancy is over, because my brain is mush. Yeah, I still don't even know what happened in that movie. I'm just like, why did he escape from jail? Why was he in there anyway? Like, I don't understand what the crap is going on here, people. Those of us who have read the book still don't know what's going on. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because I walked out with more questions and I was like, okay. Same. 
cool. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and now we have to deal with a, a new Grindelwald, which I'm not very happy about, but whatever. Of all the replacements, I think Mad's a good one. Yeah, my favorite is that meme where it's like they replace him and it has that scene in Harry Potter where he's just like, how dare you stood where he stood? <laughs> That's magic. I love that. <laughs> I will say that, you know, the transform or transformation from Dumbledore to Dumbledore, it's not great, but it's not the first time this has happened in a series. And by the next movie, you kind of forget because I think there's supposed to be five of them anyway. I don't understand. Holy crap, there's Beyonds. They're back. I don't understand why they didn't just have him change back into Colin Farrell. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> like, he's already had so that. because that art would have been way better, but anyway. <sighs> anyway. Anyway, the dead of time. There we go. That is our catchphrase. Also completely unrelated, but from last week's episode, Dumbledore's swaggy booty... I kind of want like a sassy Dumbledore design sort of reminiscent of Kim Kardashian trying to break the internet with her butt and the uh, fucking champagne glass and just Dumbledore sticking his butt out in wizard robes. I want, what's the, is it, uh, it's Emily's cartoons or whatever. Oh yeah, My Life is Background Slytherin. Where she does the flouncy Dumbledore and flouncy Snape. I want that, but then yes. the, the swaggy booty. Yeah. Yes. I just like the one where it's like, what are you doing inside on a day like this? Someone might think you're up to something. And on the up, he like does a high kick and he's wearing fucking like fishnets. Oh God. I love this cartoons. They're brilliant. Anyway, the dead of time. Instead of focusing on OWLs as they had the year prior, the sixth years had all signed up for apparition testing. Bitterly, Remus could not afford the classes, especially since his father had withdrawn what little money had been deposited in his personal account in Gringotts and refused to return any of his owls. Ignoring his unspoken pride, Charles and Daria insisted on helping him out. They paid for Remus's apparition classes and license testing, even secretly adding money to his vault to cover anything he needed at Hogwarts. Regular reports were given to them from Maya, James, and Sirius as to whether or not Remus was properly taking advantage of the gifted galleons. Yeah, maybe they should pay for him to take Aquamenti. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to keep saying it when I can say it. I'm going to keep saying it. (laughs) I love that you waited until Hannah Beth took a sip of something to say that. Because now she's dying. My bad. Oh, shit. Continue. (laughs) Maya prided herself on being the first in her year to get her license. She'd allowed only a small part of herself to feel guilty, considering she had been apparating for close to a decade, and had been able to successfully side along at least two other people. It had been the third extra person during the hunt for horcruxes that had caused her to be splinched. Thankfully, that scar was not due to show up for another six months or so, but Maya was already worried about what she was going to say to people who saw it, mostly Remus, who often had access to her bare skin. Wow, wow. 
Oh, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, Claire. She could just say it's a stretch mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> she said that mine looked like scars. And I was like, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. I love the people who are like, I'm terrified of getting stretch marks if I get pregnant. And I'm like, my ass looks like it belongs to a fucking tiger. So, like, no, I'm not afraid of stretch marks. I've got Thor's lightning strikes all the way down my thighs. Like, this is not new territory here. I want that. <laughs> that no, because like somebody was trying to like come up with positive ways to embrace stretch marks, and they were like, "Daughter of Thor, covered in lightning," and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> so I have embraced that because I used to hate them, but now I'm just like, it's a sign that I have a sizable ass. <laughs> it's quite a sizable ass there, sir. <laughs> Huge thighs. Ooh, we call her chubby. God, I that, that fucking scene. Annabeth has literally fallen out of camera screen now and is just, like, dead. Yeah. It's like the rant that I went on to you the other day. It's like, he is the prime minister. He could have just found her address. He didn't have to knock on all of the doors. I know, right? For those of you who... But then we wouldn't have known that his copper sings, so that oh was God. like... Yeah. That guy just breaks out Good King Wenceslas with like this unbelievable operatic baritone. It's like, ugh. okay, for those of you who have not seen Love Actually, please fix yourself. I want to say it's on Netflix right now, but ugh, such a good movie. It's not on Netflix. It's on Peacock for oh, those of us in America. Biscuit. Do they have Peacock in the UK? I don't, I don't know. I'm saving. Bootleg it off the I, I was about to say, I'm saving kidding. my rant for how much I hate that everyone now has their own streaming service because God, it's it's. I may as well just get cable again. But anyway, the dead of time. Uh, one dark scar. One dark scar. Um, one dark scar was something he was. Cr- oh, like <laughs> I was like, is it really that much darker than all of her other scars? No, literal dark magic scar. Uh, noted they're discussing magic of course it's fine i'm a professional i know what's happening in this story i'm fine there's a lot of caffeine and exhaustion going on right now guys this is very reminiscent of when i came back from burning (laughs) and was tired except claire's just pregnant yeah the insomnia kicked in guys i'm getting like three hours of sleep a night also my dog just scared the ever-living shit out of me i thought my husband was opening my door and i looked over and there was no one there and i just looked down and there's this fuzzy face (laughs) also i feel terrible we missed sophie's birthday sophie is now seven my sweet old god. No. Oh god. Oh, your nose is so cold. Okay. Oh my god. We're reading the story. We are focused. We are professionals. We can do this. Stop licking my hand. <laughs> One dark scar was something he was currently willing to ignore at her request, but a splinching scar that ran down her back. She wasn't certain that Remus would be a uh, would be willing to remain silent on that matter. Lily and Remus gained their apparition licenses right after Maya, followed by Snape and several more more focused. Slytherins like Damocles and Adrian Abbott, as well as a slew of Ravenclaws. James, Peter, and Sirius struggled, but only because they found it more interesting to try and distract one another than focus on their own apparating. After a good scolding from Maya, all three boys put more effort into not splinching themselves. 
Maya was grateful she didn't need to treat a splinched Sirius Black again. As spring began preparing for summer, Remus, James, and Maya celebrated their coming of age with butterbeer and a feast from Honeydukes. Fire whiskey had long since been banned at Lily's behest, though Sirius kept a stash of it at the bottom of his trunk, just for special occasions, or Fridays. During Easter halls, Sirius, James, and Maya all returned to Potter Manor, while Remus decided to stick around Hogwarts with Peter, who had been told by his parents to stay behind for his own safety. I love the parallels that they're drawing to Harry and Peter right now. Like, that, yeah. that's poignant. Because you see it a little bit with Sirius with the shitty guardians and having to get basically adopted by another magical family. And now you're seeing it in Peter, who has to spend all of his holidays at school so that he's not getting attacked. <sighs> Sorry, for some reason I keep spacing out and every time you say stuff I'm waiting for Hannah Beth to say something and I'm like, wait, she's just sitting there and I'm, not, I'm supposed to be doing this. <laughs> Not that she can't talk, but for some reason, I'm just like, why isn't she saying anything? Oh, wait. <laughs> She's here for observational purposes and occasional comic relief. And by occasional yeah, comic relief, I, I for mean... For some reason, I'm just like, <laughs> like why are you saying anything? It's a lot of frustration, Kat. I know. I just like, like cause, seriously, because when you say stuff, like that's why I'm just like, Oh, wait, I have to talk now. Okay. It's <laughs> frustrating. Is it so frustrating? Oh, my God. I have no idea what that means. Really? I fucking said that in, like, one of the other episodes, and you're like, that's funny. And now you don't even remember. You know what I think about that? I don't that? remember who I am. It's so frustrating. But anyway, I will stop. Oh, my God, there's so many dogs in and out of my office right now. Um... When the Potter Manor residents When the Potter Manor residents returned to school, Sirius was eager to share how they spent their short holiday. I can't believe you three got tattoos for your birthdays. Remus shook his head in amusement as James pulled open his shirt to show off the freshly healed ink on his chest. Maya held down the back of her blouse, revealing the most rebellious thing she'd ever done in the form of a permanent Latin in the form of permanent Latin text flowing over her right shoulder blade. They got tattoos for their birthday, Sirius insisted with a smirk. I got a tattoo because they didn't know where the tattoo shop was. I wasn't going to uh, I wasn't just going to walk in and not buy something that's rude. He said primly, as though it were an obvious truth that Remus and Peter were unaware of. Evans is going to kill you if she ever sees that. Peter laughed at James, who was busy standing in front of a mirror examining the Lily of the Valley tattoo running the length of his septum semper scar. It was with magical ink, so that the lilies closed and bloomed when touched. Aw, that's cute. Yeah, and I mean, we are used to James doing over-the-top gestures for Lily, such as a personal favorite, when he stole Grandmother Black's opal ring to give to her. <sighs> Gotta stop stealing stuff. Yes, but the good news is you do not have to steal one because if you would like Grandmother Black's opal ring, you are able to purchase one through our very own Cat Butler 
admin of the OG Fire Whiskey and Honey group. She not only has the production rights signed off on by Shia to produce Grandmother Black's opal ring, but she also has the design and production rights for Ginny's ring that we will see in later chapters. So if you would like a piece of debt of time memorabilia and would like a beautiful piece of handcrafted jewelry supporting a small business in this time where small businesses need all the help they can get, please check out the advertisement that Cat Buller has shared in the Fire Whiskey and Honey Facebook group. She is offering a special discount just for Fire Whiskey and Honey listeners through the month of January. Shine bright like a diamond, even though it's an opal. (laughs) They are very pretty, though. They're Australian opals, and they're lovely. Yeah, they are. What does Ginny's ring look like? Uh, Don't wait. Don't tell me. (laughs) I like Aunt Beth just like shrugging in the background. Thank you for doing that because I was about to be like, well, it looks like that. (laughs) Oh, there's no description. Well, is what I meant. There is. Yes, you will find out later. You'll find out later. I mean, it's no like surprise that obviously she and Jamie get married, but um, we will describe the ring later. Okay. But yes, please go ahead and check out Kat Butler. She has been kind enough to partner with us with advertising, and we are always happy to support a fellow fire whisker in their artistic endeavors. Because we could all use more rings. And magic. And magic. But also rings, because I wear an insane amount of that. (laughs) And it also hurts when you punch the Draco Malfoys of the world. Yes! Which is, let's face it, the true reason that women wear a lot of rings. We wear them for both. They, they're multifunctional, both design and defense. Yeah. Anyway, the dead of time. <laughs> okay. Okay, James, James grinned. grinned. <laughs> Touching the flowers obsessively, just as he had been doing since he left the tattoo shop. Well, it was either this or turn my scar into a zip. I told him to have the guy tattoo open at this end on top of it, Sirius said. And despite those lovely ideas of permanent body modification, Maya said sarcastically, you still settled on a flower. She shook her head at her brother, who continued to fondle his ink and watch with interest as each flower opened and closed, smacking away Peter's hand when he tried to touch one. James, ignoring the obvious insult, grinned proudly. Not just any flower. No, I suppose not, Maya smiled, wondering if there would be one day when Lily would not appreciate, or would appreciate, the ridiculous sentiment. I still wouldn't show her for a very long time, she said with decided insistence, and then added, if ever. Remus hovered behind Maya. He ran his fingers over the Latin words, sending a shiver down her spine. I like yours, he whispered, a small growl in the back of his throat only she could hear. Vita frui, vita vivet. What's that mean? Live your life, enjoy your life! (laughs) It means live life and enjoy life. She smiled brightly. I'm so proud of you, Kat. She smiled. I read it. it. I got so proud of that. (laughs) No, I read it. (laughs) She smiled brightly and turned to kiss him, though Remus would not have been able to tell why she was so affectionate with him over a tattoo. 
I consider them my own personal house words. House Maya. I got my house words, too, Sirius announced with a barking laugh. Remus turned on his friend and gaped at him in disbelief. You actually had someone permanently ink Tugia Pure on you. They had all seen the scar that was permanently etched across Sirius's hand, something he had tried to cover up multiple times by provoking Maya in her fox form to bite him during the full moons. The small words were barely legible now, having been sprinkled with a variety of small scars in the shape of sharp tooth marks. Padfoot, you hate your house and your house words. Which is why I got them tattooed on my ass. Sirius announced as he pulled down the right side of his black jeans, a look of utter glee on his face, despite the fact that each of his friends turned away at the sight of his pale backside. Get it? Get it? Maya rolled her eyes. Yes, very clever. Get it, Mooney? Sirius grinned as he scooted closer to Remus. Toujours pure, my arse. How drunk was he? Remus asked James, turning his attention away from Sirius with a laugh. I was the only sober one, James answered. We had to take the night bus home because I was afraid these two would splinch themselves if they tried operating, he said, gesturing to Sirius and Maya. If Walburga wasn't such a psychotic bitch hell-bent on having me killed, I'd want to show her this, Sirius declared with pride as he looked over his shoulder at the full-length mirror that James was standing in front of. Pads, please pull your trousers up, James pleaded as he finally buttoned up his shirt. Sirius waggled his eyebrows at his best friend. Turning you on, prongs? <sighs> well, I think I've seen all I want to, Maya began as she turned to leave. Nothing you haven't seen before, kitten. Maya rolled her eyes at him. Remus and I are going to go enjoy a nice day outside while you two sit in here and ogle Sirius's arse. She waved Peter and James with a smirk. I'm sure he'll be very appreciative of it. She grabbed Remus's hands and pulled him out the door. Are they gone? Sirius whispered from the open door of the room, listening carefully for the sound of Remus and Maya. Peter nodded. Yup. Good. Sirius grinned deviously. I came up with a lovely prank that Remus wouldn't approve of and might cause Maya to feed us to the giant squid, he announced as he walked back into the room, buckling his trousers before reaching for James's trunk and digging out the invisibility cloak in the Marauder's map. That bad? James asked with great interest. Probably worse. I don't expect to come out of this one with all my limbs intact, but it'll so be worth it. Evans, for sure, will have our bollocks for this, Sirius said knowingly, and yet still enthusiastically. Go on, James said eagerly. Also, holy fucking long-ass chapter. It's almost nine fucking o'clock and we're halfway through. Oh my god, this chapter. Well, maybe you should keep reading and stop being, like, surprised by it to get it over with. <laughs> Down by the... Damn, okay. <laughs> Tie it up, you muggle! <laughs> Down by the black lake, beneath the beech tree, Maya leant back against Remus's chest as she sat between his long legs. One of his hands had its fingers laced with hers as he kissed along the back of her neck while she read from the newest edition of Hogwarts, A History. I really like your tattoo, 
Remus whispered against the shell of her ear. His free hand pulled against the back of her blouse, leaning down to place a soft kiss against the mark. I'm glad you approve, Maya grinned, tempted to go back to the dorms and kick the other boys out. James would make a fuss, but it would be worth it to convince him to leave. The words mean a great deal to me. Any reason you chose them? he asked curiously, as he ran the pad of his index finger over it before leaning forward and kissing the crevice where her neck met her shoulder. Maya smiled softly. A reminder, I worry too much, and I need to focus on being happy. Amen. (laughs) I like that. I like you being happy. I like you being happy, too. She turned and looked up at him, relaxing as he brushed his lips against hers. Maya closed her eyes and sighed into his mouth as the world around them disappeared. Here, in his arms, kissing him, she was certain she could be led to believe that everything in the world was perfect. When he pulled away, she touched his cheek, running a finger along the top of the scar that bisected his face. Promise me you'll always try to be happy. I think I can do that. Remus grinned and moved to kiss her again. Maya pulled away from him. I mean it, Remus, she said seriously. No matter what happens, if everything just turns to shit, please try to find happiness in something. Don't hold yourself back for anything. He groaned, burying his face in her tangled mess of chestnut locks. You're doing future talk again. I thought we weren't going to do that anymore, he reminded her, brushing his knuckles up and down her bare arm. You don't think about it at all? I'd rather think of... Sorry, alarm. I'd rather think about you. This. Us. She sighed, nuzzling against his head. I'm sorry, love. You can make it up to me. Remus reached over her shoulder, closing the book in her hand and setting it carefully to the side, putting it down on top of his book bag. Maya appreciated the extra effort he took in making sure the book was not damaged in the slightest by the nearby wet grass. I seem to remember recently reading something about enjoying life, he said with a grin, putting his large hands on her hips and turning her around in his lap until she was straddling him. I wonder how we could put that to use. He threaded his fingers through her thick hair before kissing her soundly, groaning when his tongue came into contact with her own, massaging it languidly. Mmm, Maya moaned. Do you think it would be suspicious if we sneaked off to the Whomping Willow? She whispered against his lips, and Sirius chuckled in response before kissing her again. Their quiet moment was disrupted by the sound of high-pitched screaming in the background, followed by screeching and the feel of a rough breeze just above them. Maya and Remus separated and looked up as Sirius, James, and Peter flew their brooms quickly overhead, all laughing as they made their way over to the lake. Lily's yell came just up the hill, causing Maya to turn and watch as her friend mounted a broom and flew upward, gripping the handle tightly with a look of pure fury in her face as she continued screaming, Black! Pettigrew, you're dead! Mary came up just behind Lily as she quickly followed on her broom. Both girls flew off in the direction of the lake. We couldn't have been gone twenty minutes. What on earth has my brother done now? Maya asked with a scowl crawling off of Remus's lap as Frank and Alice and Frank walked down to join them. Alice wore an expression of disapproval. Frank looked positively scandalized. Better yet, what has Sirius talked him into doing? 
I don't know how they did it, but they were able to break into the girls' dorm rooms and steal our... Alice's voice lowered to a whisper as she finished. Our underthings. Maya, Remus said, tapping her shoulder. Your bra is hanging off the back of Sirius's broom. Maya groaned. Which one? The pink lace. Oh, she sighed in relief and reached for her book. I didn't really like that one. I did, Remus said bitterly. <laughs> Thoughts, cat? You're making faces. I'm not making faces. You're making faces. Come at me, bro. I'm just saying, like, we all have that one bra that we don't really like, but we keep it around anyway, and that's what that is. The accuracy. I feel like there's, like, one piece of clothing. Because, like, I have this sweater. I don't particularly like it, but every time I wear it, I get compliments, so I can't get rid of it. But I don't actually like it that much. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. It's the real struggle in life. Anyway. Um, I did. His eyes narrowed at Sirius, who was laughing as Mary sped after a screaming Peter, who was trying to use a flailing giant squid arm for protection and distraction as he flew across the lake, dodging the few hexes sent his way as he rode off with her red knickers hung over the handle of his clean sweep. Then you go get it back from them, Maya told her possessive boyfriend. I'm not playing into whatever game this is. She opened her book, trying to find the place where she had just left off. I can't believe they got Lily on a broom to chase them. She hates flying almost as much as I do. Why is that? Frank asked as he and Alice sat down hand in hand beside Remus and Maya. It's unnatural, Maya explained. If we were meant to fly, we would have been born with wings. Or with magic to enchant brooms and then fly on them, Remus said sarcastically. He laughed when Maya smacked his arm. Also, I like the image of Frank, Alice, Remus, and Maya just sitting underneath a tree staring out at the lake and watching Mary and Lily chase Peter, James, and Sirius across while there's like underwear trailing behind. <laughs> like just the visualization of that's beautiful. Um, don't get smart with me, Mooney. She scolded with a smirk on her face. Go and get my bra before Sirius feeds it to the giant squid. He kissed her, muttering against his her lips. Do I look like I play fetch? Your dog. <laughs> Wolf. Whatever. Dog family. You're the one who likes me in the pink lace, she whispered, and Remus growled low against her skin, causing goose flesh to pop up over her arms. Not to interrupt what's clearly a very private moment, which I should have walked away from several minutes ago, Alice muttered, blushing as she was forced to interrupt Remus and Maya, but I think something's wrong. What? Maya turned and looked above the lake, where Sirius and James were flying in large circles. Lily, who had been chasing them, stopped abruptly in the center of their circles, her broom hovering for long moments before bucking and thrashing about. Lily gave a shout as she clung to the handle tightly. Evans! Evans! You all right? James called, turning his broom around to look at Lily. What is she doing? Remus asked. Oh, Merlin. Maya stood up. Someone stinks her broom. Jamie! Sirius! She shouted up at the boys, waving her hands to try and get their attention. Get Lily back on the ground. 
Sirius looked confused, but James immediately went into action. He turned his broom and aimed it towards Lily as hers tilted back in a vertical position, causing her to scream and dangle over the lake, gripping the handle as tightly as she could. Remus, look for someone, Maya told him. She's been jinxed. Someone will have to be keeping eye contact with her, so just start looking. She turned around, uh, she turned, looking around as well. She'd seen a jinxed broom before during Harry's first Quidditch match, and a part of her was not surprised when she noticed Severus Snape hanging back near the edge of a group of trees, watching with wide eyes and muttering to himself. Maya growled and moved to reach for her wand when she remembered that the last time she suspected Snape of jinxing a broom, he had been the one trying to save Harry. Was he trying to save Lily as well? Maya stopped and scanned the rest of the area in hopes of finding the real culprit. Before she could spot anything other than a head of non-greasy black... Oh. Um, before she could... All right, you're going to have to cut this because before she could spot anything other than a head... Oh, okay. I had to, like, make it make sense in my head before I could read or write. <clears throat> Was he trying to save Lily as well? Maya stopped and scanned the rest of the area in hopes of finding the real culprit. Before she could spot anything other than a head of non-greasy black hair disappearing into the castle, Lily screamed, and everyone turned to see her fall sixty feet into the depths of the ice-cold water of Black Lake. "'Lily!' James screamed, forcing his broom into a nosedive in an attempt to try and catch her before she hit the water. He missed her just as she disappeared beneath the surface. Not wasting a single moment, both James and Sirius dove off their brooms, plunging into the water." Maya gasped and ran towards them, but Remus reached the water first, jumping in and swimming until he met his friends halfway, helping to hold Lily's head above the water as the three of them dragged her back to the bank. When they got there, Alice and Maya took over. They lifted Lily in their arms and laid her flat on the ground just as Mary and Peter landed, looks of worry and shock on their faces as they dropped their brooms and rushed over. Lily! James shouted, pulling her into his arms, tilting her head back and looking at her. Face pale and lifeless, Lily's eyes were closed and her skin was cold. "'Lily!' he shouted again, reaching for his wand. "'Renovate!' Nothing happened. "'Renovate!' Maya pushed at her hysterical brother. "'Jamie, move! Let me get to her!' "'Lily, please wake up!' he cried, cradling her to his chest desperately. "'Pull him back!' Maya ordered. Remus slipped his arms under James and lifted and dragged his friend away from Lily's unconscious body, struggling as James fought against him. Sirius, I need your help, Maya said. Is she dead? Sirius asked in horror as he stared into Lily's pale, cold face. Pay attention! If anyone needed to know in detail what she was about to attempt, it was Sirius, who would one day have to do the same thing to save her life. We didn't mean to. It was a joke, he stammered, running a worried hand through his hair, tears springing to his eyes. I don't know what happened to her broom, but... Sirius! Maya yelled. I need you to pay attention to what I'm doing. I'm going to tilt her head back and breathe into her mouth for her, she explained quickly. When I stop, I need you to press here. Taking his hands, she placed them against Lily's sternum. Press hard, over and over again, until I tell you to stop so I can breathe for her again, okay? Maya. Wow. I was not expecting that. Like, you're doing muggle CPR. I was expecting, like, Akio water out lungs or something. Like They tried that. It didn't work. Uh, I was about to ask you, like, do they know (laughs) CPR? Well, yes, you do. Maya does. But... Was not expecting that. I was expecting get your wand. Like <laughs> Maya, 
Maya tilted Lily's head back and pinched her nose before placing her mouth over the redheads, sealing it and breathing a deep breath into her. She watched as Lily's chest rose slightly. A few more breaths and Maya nodded to Sirius, who began to follow her instructions to the letter, trying to ignore the sounds of James crying in the background, threatening Remus, who continued to subdue him as they focused completely on Lily. Come on, Lils, Maya whispered before she breathed again, fear sinking into her as she could see the future evaporate right before her eyes. No Lily, no Lily and James, no Harry. She breathed again and tried to block out the sounds of Alice and Mary weeping nearby. One last breath and Maya felt Lily's body twitch against her. She sat up quickly, just in time for Lily to jolt forward, coughing roughly until water expelled itself from her throat. Sirius gasped, falling back onto the grass in shock at the sight, his gray eyes pale and wide. Lily! James shouted, breaking away from Remus, who looked just as surprised at the sight of Lily taking in deep breaths. You're alive. Oh, thank Merlin, you're alive. He knelt in front of her, taking her face into his hands gently as he studied the depths of her eyes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lily. Potter? Lily whimpered, her dull gaze raking over his face. She leant back after blinking repeatedly, placing a hand out to balance herself on the grass. James released her cheeks, and there was half a second before her free hand smacked clean across his face, hard enough to turn his head to the side. Did you three jinx her broom? Remus demanded. His eyes narrowed at Sirius, James, and Peter. No! Peter yelled. We just stole their bras, and... It was supposed to be a joke, Sirius muttered, still grief-stricken. Well, it wasn't funny, Lily shouted hoarsely. Maya, do you really think someone jinxed my broom? She was still taking the time to take in slow, deep breaths. It's not really my broom. I borrowed it from the shed when we came running out here. Whose broom was it? Maya shook her head as she reached for her wand, casting a warming charm over everyone. It doesn't matter. A jinx like that wasn't put on it before you picked it up. It was put on while you were flying. Someone did this to her on purpose? Mary asked with wide eyes. Maybe it was an accident, Lily mumbled. Maybe we should tell Dumbledore. Sirius moved to stand up, holding his hand up to Lily to help her stand. She looked at it suspiciously for a moment before taking it. Peter gaped. What? Why? I... Sirius hesitated. I think Death Eaters are being recruited still. And that was initiation. What? James shouted before getting to his feet. When Sirius paused and groaned, rubbing the, ne- rubbing the bridge of his nose. Fuck. When I was attacked last summer, someone mentioned that they were doing things wrong with me. They were trying to brand me first and let me prove myself later. Proving yourself amongst Death Eaters means killing someone, he explained, ignoring the locks of sh- looks of shock provided by Frank, Alice, and Mary, specifically a muggle, a blood traitor, or a muggle-born. Maya nodded in understanding. That's why Electo and Amicus came after you and Jamie. It was snivelous, James declared. I know it. Don't you dare, Potter, Lily snarled. It was clear to everyone at Hogwarts that Lily Evans and Severus Snape were no longer friends, but Lily was not the type of person to see someone innocent blamed for something they might not have done, just because James had a bad history with him. Jamie, it's not Snape, 
Maya said, before her brother rushed off to do something stupid. How can you be so sure? He asked her, ignoring Lily's glares. Because if he was planning on joining the Death Eaters and had his pick of Hogwarts, he would have jinxed yours or Sirius's brooms, not Lily's. Then who the hell did it? James demanded, pacing back and forth along the bank, running a hand through his wet hair and shaking the water out of it. I can't believe they're recruiting Death Eaters inside Hogwarts, Lily whispered in horror. Maya nodded, thinking of Draco. Supposedly, they only have to be sixteen. Sirius's eyes widened, and he turned to look at her, his face draining of color. What day is it? What? Why? James asked. The 12th of May, Lily answered. Why? What's wrong? I know who did it, Sirius growled and stormed up towards the castle, shouting, Fuck! Well, who did it? Wouldn't you like to know? Yeah, I would, actually. It sucks to suck, nerd. <laughs> but for realsies, though, we'll learn next week. Um, it, it also gives it away if you go back and look at the chapters that Shia said that was foreshadowed. <sighs> you're right, you're right. But that being said, uh, that was a very meaty chapter. There's a lot going on. I feel like the chapters get progress. Yeah, they're all about the same length. Chapter 64 is a little bit shorter, but we've got some meat on these bones coming up. So these episodes do run a little bit longer, but that's just because there's an ass load to read. And of course, we have to have our titillating commentary sprinkled throughout. Um, well, also, it's perfectly fine because apparently a lot of our listeners are listeners are in quarantine now, so they love this long stuff. So, yeah, true story. Give though, it to them. Heart goes out to those in the Canadian provinces that are going back on full lockdowns, as well as the UK and whatever other countries are going on lockdowns as well. Um, I know, in particular, Quebec um, is going on lockdown. So, you know, big hugs out to you guys. Um, but, you know, keep us posted on how you're doing with quarantine and all that stuff. We like knowing how you're doing. We like you guys reaching out. I also um, want to take a second to uh, thank a fan who I will leave anonymous. But they reached out via private message. They had recently binged the show. And there was an episode where I made not one but two problematic comments. I used the term retarded, and I suggested that cats were used in Chinese food. And both of those are outdated, wrong, were never right in the first place. Um, I am embarrassed that I used them. I will not be editing the episode because I think it's important to own what I've done in the past and acknowledge that it is important for us to recognize our mistakes and grow. And I would like to thank that fan immensely for not only having the sense of right doing that it took to reach out to somebody who frankly is a total stranger and tell them, hey, you were an asshole without actually calling them an asshole, which I would have deserved regardless. And number two, for thinking that I was worth the time and effort to correct and for believing that I have the ability to do better because I do. So... Thank you very much. 
You have made me a better person. You make me more aware of the things that come out of my mouth because what was supposed to be a podcast to maybe 15 people has turned into a podcast that gets 1,500 downloads a week. So my uh, all of our platforms are a little bigger, I think, than we ever expected them to be. But thank you for holding us to Amen, a high standard. Sister. So... Also, I'm blushing because I'm horrifically embarrassed that I used both of those terms on a publicly broadcasted uh, bit of audio, but... Hey, it, I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm just trying to make you feel better, and it may not come across that way. But people have said worse things on television. And I agree. And so... I agree. But we all strive to do what is right. And it, it was funny because right before she reached out, I caught myself using the R term and I said, no, that's not like I've said out loud because I was talking to my husband and I said the word and I said, no, that's, that's not the right word. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, a silly thing. It's not that term. And so I had, it was just kind of serendipitous that it happened at that time that I, that was something that I was already working on and for somebody to reach out and again, think that I was worth the effort to try and, you know, help. Thank you. So if you catch me or any of us saying something that we shouldn't be, or that is offensive that we may not even realize is offensive, please, please, please do not hesitate to reach out to us because we, you know, we shoot from the hip sometimes when we talk and things can slip and things that shouldn't slip happen. So please hold us to that high standard. We appreciate it. And without further ado, it's time to also thank the wonderful people who make this podcast happen, our patrons. We'd like to thank our foxes, and we'd also like to remind all of our patron members that you can change your username to whatever the fuck you want. So, without further ado, our January foxes are Jackie, Becky, Rachel, Maya, Carissa, Leanne, what the fuck, Shia... Sandra, Michelle, Cassie, Laura, Ryland, Amber, Ryder, Olivia, Crystal, Amanda, Miriam, Heather, Connie, Ashley, Emma, Chelsea, Sarah, Claire, Shannon, Jillian, Roshan, Nevi, Audrey, Martina, Paige, Shelby, Tori, Sarah, Amanda, Carl, Samantha, Miranda, Caitlin, Dan, Tyler, Jade, Kenny, Kara, Amara, Kara, and Jenny. Thank you again so much for supporting us month in and month out. We love you. Okay, and thank you everyone for giving us your hard-earned galleons in muggle plastic. Yes, yes, yes. We appreciate you all. We hope you stay magical. We hope that you're okay mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we will see you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Ain't that the truth? Because we are going where? Nowhere. Because we're all on quarantine. Still. Forever. <laughs> you know where I'm going? I'm going to club bed with DJ McBlanket. <laughs> That's where I'm going. And now I'm dead. <laughs> but yes, we will see you all next Fire Whiskey Friday. Well, bam. Cat! You did the whooping. Oh, I'm so proud. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. 
A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, fwhpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.